Welcome back to Four Nerds Save the Universe, or in this case, Four Nerds, Two Nerds Save the Universe, or Two Nerds Save You $20. Yes. Uh, to episode 2.1, I guess, because it's just going to be the two of us, <laughs> and we're going to scratch yeah. out the four and write two instead, and it'll be, yeah. just, it'll be such, such a nice quality of it. <laughs> no, no, maybe, maybe this should be rebranded oh, in the no. spin-off podcast oh, from no. Save the Universe. Like the bird catcher and special SB like movie corner is called Reblanded. <laughs> That's so weirdly accidentally uh, apt. Yeah, it so, works out well enough. So this is going All to be right. a spoiler cast where we spoil the shit out of, out of Suicide Squad, the movie that just came yeah. out, which we both think is garbage. But maybe we should start off by just mini-reviewing it a little bit so people have some idea of what, what we don't do and don't like about it in vague terms before we move on to... Spoiling the shit out of it because that's the fun part. It's talking about all the <laughs> details of why it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have, do so you have on any a high sort level? Of... Uh, high level. Uh, I'll just like summarize my thoughts. Uh, visually, art direction, really great, fantastic looking movie. Uh, everything else is garbage. Yes. yes. Literally every other aspect: writing, acting. Uh, no, costuming and makeup. That was also really good. Oh yeah. Sometimes. It, it's Probably decent quit. to look at a lot of the times, as long as you're not yeah. talking about it in motion. Uh huh. It's a, it's a good um, series the, of screenshots, is what the movie yeah. is. The uh, the 3D effects bad. Because uh, yeah. I saw it in IMAX 3D, oh. and I I will tell you oh, all about why that was a mistake. The funny thing oh. is, I, I almost went and saw it in D box, so we would have had two different weird perspectives. But I ended up uh, not making it the right time and just saw it as a regular ass <laughs> movie, like I think most movies should be seen still but yeah. uh yeah it's true for this one too it's weird um, to watch a movie soundtrack that fails on every level yeah soundtrack was good though we're gonna argue was, about uh, that <laughs> we're gonna argue I about that i'm not really gonna bring it up anymore but uh <laughs> the, the, the um, sound design the soundtrack was good um but yeah everything that you care about like writing plot characters dialogue uh Humor, spectacle. It doesn't do any of the things. It does no things. Absolutely terrible. It's. Uh, I mean, I. I guess if you wanted a scale of like one to ten, for me, I'd give it like a four, like a three. Like just not good. Just really not good. (laughs) It might be like yeah, like a two or a three or something for me. Like it's Mm -hmm. as as pointless as numbers kind of are a lot of the time. Like it is. Mm just a movie that has no redemptive value to it. Yeah. And I've watched movies for really specific redemptive value sometimes. Like, mm. spectacle and soundtrack and stuff like that. Like, I watch, I have watched the movie Sucker Punch multiple times not for story, but because it's, you see, like, you see, like, girls in leather fighting against steampunk Nazi uh-huh. zombies with a bunny rabbit mech while, while like, white uh-huh. rabbit plays. And, like, mm. that kind of crazy happens. Like, mm-hmm. I've watched movies for those reasons before. Turn off your brain, just watch the funny music video movie thing. You and can't even cool do with that, that with this one. No, this movie doesn't have... You can't. Like, it, it fails on, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy level of just having, like, a, fun, a series of fun characters doing fun things or whatever. It fails on the Dark Knight level of trying to be, like, a serious film about, like, criminals forced to do a death, a death mission before they ki- uh, get killed by the, either the mission or, them, or the, their own bombs in their heads. And it fails as just, like, turn off your brain and watch explosions and stuff happen. Because the movie doesn't have spectacle. It has 
a bunch of really rapidly edited nonsense and like some mm-hmm. gunfights that are boring because it's not like yeah. we're watching shoot 'em up. We're watching like two guy. It's the most boring way to film a gunfight where you see mm-hmm. people on one side of a screen shooting to the off frame, and then it cuts yep. to the other side and you see other people shooting off frame. And it's like and I guess then, they're like, fighting each other. Just like, and everyone's like and all the yeah all the bad guys magically are getting hit by bullets and all the characters that don't that do matter are magically unharmed in any way and never yeah. even close to getting in danger. Like yeah. There's no good. There's no reason to watch this movie. <laughs> there's nothing to hold on to. It's like this is the decent <clears throat> part. It's it's. I was blown away by how. Yeah, I just never I had a good time. Totally, one hundred percent on board with that. So, so like, you this, proposed we uh we just start from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And just talk straight through all the problems with so like, it. This is so, uh, like as just the final closing thought. Like this is the feeling yeah. I haven't had in a movie since Transformers Four. Hmm. That's. We'll Hard. talk about feeling oh, in yeah. this movie. So that's definitely. that's our mini review, I guess. If you want to just have an yeah. idea of what we feel about this movie, because now we're just going to actually talk about the contents of the movie nonstop, and yep, you might want to just sit through it anyway, because yeah. maybe <laughs> this, this is the in depth. This sometimes is where we really sometimes spoiler cast the shit out of it. Sometimes it's fun to watch to just listen to people talk about how shitty something mm-hmm. is instead of actually witnessing it yourself. Because yep. man, all right, so. The movie opens right. up with character introductions. Will Smith. As you'd expect from any movie <laughs> that has way too many characters, they have to do every single uh-huh. character back-to-back, mm-hmm. uh, which is already a massive it's... warning sign. Yeah, yeah. Every it's single good... movie that's an ensemble cast of a whole bunch of characters, they mm-hmm. inevitably have some kind of basic main, like main character or two main characters. And this movie mm-hmm. does too, because Deadshot was Will Smith is the main character. So all mm-hmm. you have to do and Harley Quinn. is focus on him for a while. And like move, and maybe Harley Quinn, and so on and so forth. But this movie mm-hmm. opens with giving us an individual introduction for every single character for mm-hmm. six consecutive characters. It's and like they think it, that's I a think good the idea. movie doesn't start for about fifty minutes. I think it, it's about forty-five minutes of character introduction. It, it felt so long. It's shocking how long the movie feels like you're watching the previously on part of a television show. Exactly, where every exactly. scene's twenty seconds long. And you mm-hmm. barely know what's going on, and it just seems to rely on you already knowing what's going on. But mm-hmm. it's not true to the comics on pretty much every level, so you can't know what's already going on, because they made up these mm-hmm. characters by and large. Yeah, pretty much. But so, like, like, it introduces Deadshot, it introduces yeah. Harley, uh, and then there's like a government lady being like, I'm Angela, and I'm the government, and I say that we need to assemble a team of supervillains, and then yep. like a general's like, say what? <laughs> and like that's basically like the setup. And the, uh, and I, then I, it introduces. I, I forget because yeah. of the threat that actually gets introduced. But mm-hmm. do they ever at any point give you a reason why they're making this team of super, super villains? Which seems like a terrible uh, stupid says, plan. Okay, so Angela basically says like in World War Three they're so, going to be using mutants. So she's the equivalent of people who build shelters for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Like, it's for hypothetical There's... problems. We're going to do this insane plan mm-hmm. where we take dangerous people out of prison and hope our bombs work to blow them up if they go out of order because yep. something might happen. Yeah, so they... But before like all that happens, <laughs> I think the big warning sign for me was, like, when they introduced the character of El Diablo, who's, like, this guy who can, like, magically make fire come out of his, like, hands. Mm-hmm. And, like, they introduce him... And his entire scene... Okay, so it introduces Deadshot for, like, uh, like basically like Yeah, five, we're, we're going to talk about the different minutes. durations here. Let's, let's start with Deadshot yeah. first, though. Like, first of all, sure. one little warning sign here is that there's two types of Will Smith characters. There's mm-hmm. 
there's the smart ass bouncy character from like uh uh in- independence day and from men mm-hmm. in black that's the, like he's just gonna do he's gonna be the smartest guy in the room and he's always gonna be mm-hmm. really funny about it and then there's the one where he's just gonna break down crying constantly Mm-hmm. And this film is the Men in Black character and the Independence character for the entire movie, except every single scene where his daughter shows up, he immediately is bawling, yeah. and it completely is a t- different tonal change. But here, mm-hmm. the big the big warning sign here is that this this daughter is his immediate reason for getting caught by Batman, who is in this movie for three seconds. And <laughs> yes, when he when he gets caught, like this daughter does not act at no. all, and I I, I genuinely Daddy, started please. to wonder. I, I was Daddy, kind of please. Like, does don't does he do it, does Daddy. he have more kids? Does he? I don't know, because <laughs> he he has a tendency to be in movies and and music videos with his kids that aren't that talented, and they mm-hmm. like do shitty jobs. But he's like you know like making that M Night Shyamalan movie with his with his son and stuff like that. And I'm like I'm just used to that mm-hmm. at this point. I genuinely don't yeah. know if he has a daughter that age, because she's I don't, think, I don't know if that's a Smith daughter or what. I don't know, I but her check. her whole performance is like I know you hurt people, Daddy. It's okay. Uh-huh. I still love you. Don't hurt yeah. him, Daddy. And I'm like, you, <laughs> this is the best you could find. Like, she mm-hmm. doesn't have emotions. She's like, nobody in she, that movie did. So is she asleep? She fit right in. If, if she, she did have emotions, she would have been the best damn actress in that movie. I know. Uh, yeah, there's it's not there's <laughs> not a lot of people to beat. You basically just have to beat uh, uh, Robbie. Robbie, yeah. whoever Harley Quinn's played by, damn it, Margot Robbie, <laughs> Margot Ro- Margot Robbie. There we go. Yeah, I, I had part of, I had the spelling of one name. Uh, <laughs> I knew she was right. going to be good because she's in. Uh, have you seen uh, yeah. Wolf of Wall Street? No, yeah. because she just is but good she, in films. I know basically. that she did a stellar performance in that movie. Yeah, so. but like, so yeah. Will Smith's whole thing is like he's a criminal. You see him dispatch somebody for money because he's a mercenary mm-hmm. that kills people. But then, like, he's a family man. So, like, literally, there's one scene to set up that he's a mercenary that kills people, and one scene to set up that he's a family man, which is how he gets caught. And that's all yep. of his character development, because he has a, a bullet... All time for. He has bullet point character traits. They have to do one scene at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, but you get it's it. all they have time for. But then, here's the... Bi- like, that was just a minor thing of, oh, child actor, whatever, it happens, even in good movies. But the next scene mm-hmm. was the first warning sign for this movie, which is the introduction of Harley Quinn. Because mm-hmm. Harley Quinn is introduced as basically a pole dancer and that's yep. how she starts off in the film and mm-hmm. it's not even like a I'm not even talking about like gender things or anything like that it's just like an issue of like the entire Harley Quinn introduction scene only serves to introduce that the Joker's dangerous yeah but Harley Quinn's the character that they're trying to show why she's in the suicide squad mm-hmm. cuz like they go, they use expensive technology to put a chip in her brain to blow her up if she d- disobeys, so that she could be an asset to this team that's going to save the world. And her right. trait at this point is that she can pole dance, and her boyfriend's scary, who is not on the Suicide yeah. Squad. So, yeah, what? Harley Quinn comes across as like completely not a threat to anything ever. Yeah, she she basically doesn't have a reason to exist in the movie besides being mm-hmm. the most famous character in the movie, right? And like, having she's a lot of like dude. She's there because people will, are more likely to watch a movie that has Harley Quinn and the Joker in it. And so they put yeah. Harley Quinn and Joker on the cover and give her a lot of screen time. And mm-hmm. she uses that screen time as an actress, but the character yeah. wastes the screen time for the most part. But yeah. the, and the thing here is, like, you also have the problem of, like, you're going out of your way to introduce the Joker because you want people to see the Joker to pay for the movie, right? Uh-huh. But he's not the Joker. 
Like no, he doesn't. It was bad. He's not any really of the bad. Jokers. He was really, really bad, man. Yeah. The Joker was just hot garbage in that entire movie. It was he baffling. He didn't feel like he didn't feel like uh, any familiarity that you would expect from the Joker. He just felt like a very generic like villain. Yeah. Like. <laughs> And like there's just like ah, you're gonna not sleep with my wife. That's weird. I'm gonna shoot you. <laughs> like that, that's two it's problems too. Just a scene too. that happens. Here's the problem with that, that, by the happens. way. The this uh-huh. the wife scene. Like he may as well just be uh like the equivalent of like Woody Harrelson from Seven, Seven Psychopaths. Like that's mm-hmm. not in any way a scene that's like yeah, that sure is the Joker. Or even, like, that's your new take on the Joker. It's like, no, that's just, like, yeah. a gangster move of, like, oh, you said something about my wife? Well, I was already mad at you anyway, so let's just set up yeah. the scene where I'm going to shoot you in the face in my nightclub because I'm a gangster character, and that's... Yeah. that's the, and I've watched like, that movie ten times already. <laughs> yeah, the thing about the Joker is that he, like, is... Like, deep down under, like, so many layers. He's a very consistent character. Oh, yeah. And if you're if you're missing that, if you don't tap into, like the consistency behind the Joker, then you just are basically writing, like, a weird psychopath, and it doesn't make any sense. But not even, like, a good psychopath, because it's not like, right. wow, what unreasonable behavior. I'm just like, wow, that's the behavior of everyone that's ever been that character in a film. Like, that's the exactly. behavior of every, like, guy who's, like, got the, like, nightclub swagger, and I own everything around me, and you're disrespecting me. Like, that's... Yeah. that's I've, You see that even in prison movies, with way mm-hmm. less colorful lights, but just, like, mm-hmm. the, I'm the king of this prison... And you've stepped and out of line. Respect me. So I'm yeah. going to do a mind game before I kill you. Like, that's... And that's, let's that's be all honest, the number of tropes in this movie... Oh, God. Like, that one's a big one. But yeah. I, I counted three instances where a character walked through other characters and just shoulder-checked them. Oh, yeah. Three times that happens in a movie. They couldn't come up with more way to show off, like, a am in charge move oh, yeah. than that. Every single and time, it's like, like I'm a big, hot, a I'm a big tough guy. One. I'm a hot shot, and then the other guys. Well, I have the power in this dynamic, and then they shoulder check him. <laughs> yeah, three times. Yeah. I think it's, it's, might have been two. Oh I man, think it was three though. So, so my first warning sign <laughs> after Harley Quinn was El Diablo, dude who mm-hmm. shoots fire from his hands. He got about I want to say 15 seconds to be introduced. It oh, was yeah. like five minutes of Deadshot, five minutes of Harley Quinn. Ten seconds of uh, El Diablo. It, or, it, but and even El Diablo, wor- ironically, had by far the best uh, oh, yeah. character arc. And Absolutely for, the best. The he funny had a thing is, I, I had a slightly different reaction to El Diablo just because it was so vague, but pregnant mm-hmm. with like some kind of inference there. Like instead of just being mm-hmm. like open and closed, I was like, "Wait, that's the, you're you're asking a question here, and not just showing a scene." Mm-hmm. So like, I was ready for him to actually have a character development later on that explains more of what's going on there and like they were laying the seeds and i'm like wow that's that's the right thing to do that's how yeah. you should be introducing all these characters is like making us somewhat curious about them and then develop them over mm-hmm. the course of the film which is the this is the only character they do that with but as the as the film developed on i started getting more and more convinced that this was just going to try to rip more and more things directly from guardians of the galaxy to try to save itself and mm-hmm. everything about that character is like the rocket raccoon character of like let's be vague about him to the begin from the beginning slowly mm-hmm. infer more things about like a dark past and then literally have a scene where he breaks down emotionally at a bar yep like it's the same plot arc yep. except with a slightly different ending but both even then both storylines end with sacrifice just slightly different per, per people being sacrificed 
but it's a terrible oh, but the arc. concept of sacrifice nobody everybody <laughs> like gave up something in this movie but it has a disney ending where it's just like oh, yeah. and everybody wins and everything's fine like mm-hmm Nobody actually like lost anything. No character grew as a person in this movie. Like mm-hmm. one person literally dies and come back comes back to life. And one character is oh, implied shit. to have a character arc, but basically just doesn't have an arc. They just they just go against their own be- like best interest out of nowhere. Basically, is how they is their arc, and there's no hey, real hey, reason behind it. it. Like yeah. so, well, we gotta, this... we, I gotta cut this recording for a second. All right. Uh, I ran out of hard drive space. Oh no! So at least I caught it. So let's let's stick a little. I tried to. We'll, we'll have to stitch this. <laughs> I mean, and by we, I mean you. Let's see well, here. Uh, what were you just talking about? And then <laughs> we had just remind me, remind me what it was, and we'll pick up fun. as if this never happened. We had fun technical problems. No, we're just. This is just the light. The show now. So, they're introducing these six characters. Two of them get, like, probably, like, five minutes of screen time each. Well, Mm -hmm. really, it's the most screen time for Deadshot, and then one scene that's mostly Joker for Harley Quinn. But then, yeah, like, the tiniest glimpse of El Diablo happens where they're like, he turned himself Mm -hmm. in after showing, like, a burning house. But then it gets worse, because that's three characters. Oh, because then they bring out Groot, uh, I mean, (laughs) Crocodile. Because it's a six-person crew... But those three people, two people got proper introductions. One of them got a vague, like, seeding the story for later introduction. But then Mm -hmm. you have, uh, wow, that momentary blank of his freaking name, Killer Croc. Croc, Uh, Killer Croc, yeah. Killer Croc is just shown kind of thrashing some dudes a bit, and then Uh I guess they caught him. And... And that's Captain it. Boomerang is shown... Yeah, what the fuck? Presumably robbing a what bank or something. And then he, like, throws his boomerang at his at his cohort to take him out. Uh, and that's his whole scene. Yeah. And the big warning sign here, of course, is that, like... Have you heard about the controversy? Not, not even the controversy. Have you heard about, like, the, the weird thing with this film where supposedly they either test-audienced it or they saw how Deadpool did and how poorly... Uh, received Batman vs Superman was and presumably like mm-hmm. reshot things and probably re-edited things and stuff like that. Because uh-huh. like, here's where immediately I felt the feeling that this was happening, which is that mm-hmm. in this film, suddenly everyone has these really jarring uh, songs being played over their introduction scenes. The yeah. moment they get past the first two, because the first two are just actual movie scenes, but after that, that's like we're gonna show. Killer Croc, and we're gonna play a Credence Clearwater revival over him, Fortunate Son, and yeah. like maybe they're trying to say that like some folks are born silver spoon in hand, like to say that Croc Man has no, a hard no, life no. or something. They didn't think but, that like, hard about it. It was just straight up like he's from the just south. Songs. It's, it's just, just songs, songs happening. There's no and this, relation. And this starts happening <laughs> for the rest of the film, and mostly ah. during the to the front and the back, but a few other times too. Where they start rapidly cutting to various really recognizable, really popular rock songs, and mm-hmm. it'll just play a little bit. Like, you'll just yep. suddenly hear Seven Nation Army for a few seconds because reasons, mm-hmm. and then because, it'll cut away yep. just as fast. And at some point, I think they're, like, I think this game was so cynically re edited no, I just said game again, damn it. <laughs> I think this movie yeah. was so cynically re-edited that they actually looked at Guardians of the Galaxy and was like, well, that one had anachronistic music being thrown into it. But, mm-hmm. like, 
Guardians of the Galaxy uses music in like as an actual punchline half the time, and it's yeah. actually interwoven into the scene. And Star Trek Beyond and Star Trek, uh, even the first mm-hmm. new Star Trek, both have moments of using weirdly out of place music, but that's actually mm-hmm. part of the film on purpose, and it's not a weird like. It doesn't feel like somebody's like anime music mm-hmm. video on the internet, and yeah. this film falls completely flat at that because it just keeps mm-hmm. playing random songs for no reason and then cutting them away over and over again. And it's it starts to mm-hmm. feel like it's trying to masquerade in higher quality works, like Hannibal yeah. Lecter escaping in somebody's skin yeah, from prison. Yeah, exactly, exactly like that. Like I covered you in things you're familiar with and already liked, so you'll like me mm-hmm. too. And I'm like, it's you're just yeah. you're just taking white stripes and Creed's Clearwater <laughs> Revival and stitching them together uh-huh. over your film, and there's, there's no cohesive to it. It's just it's gross and weird. Mm-hmm. But and I mean, you've mentioned cynical <laughs> editing. Like, holy shit! Can we talk a little bit about that? Like the middle. Okay, so let, we're, we've pretty much covered the first act because straight up, like a bunch of other shit happens that just does not matter. Oh, yeah. Just like they just show people like shooting shit and just being like Harley Quinn's. Just like I have a baseball bat now. So you, you sit through that for another like ten, fifteen minutes, whatever. Act two is when things go from bad to worse. What are we calling act two? Uh, from from the moment they enter the city, oh, and it goes to date to night. I'm not quite ready to go that far yet. Because we still talk about the villain. I'll just mention that, like, <laughs> okay, the, yeah, the go, editing in that section was just nuts. Like, it would be like somebody would be like, uh, like two people would be talking, and then like they like there would be a cut away from one character, and then a cut back to the one character, and he'd be like on the other side of the frame. Oh yeah, they're teleporting around. Say, yeah, like people were teleporting around. People would be like at the bottom of stairs, and then at the top <laughs> of stairs, and just like everything was disjointed, and like we know. With a movie that has as big of an ensemble cast as this does, that movie probably has like seven hours of footage that they cut down to be two and a half, and it still was like super long and felt Spartan in every aspect. Oh, even there, there's also the issue of like when a film has those weird cuts that don't make sense continuity wise, oftentimes Mm -hmm. it means that they had one film they planned and then they filmed that film. But then they want decided in yes. editing they wanted a different film, so they try to take mm-hmm. the lines of dialogue and splice them together back to back in a way that tries to make it fit, and mm-hmm. they just kind of ignore any any impact it has on the continuity because they want to change the conversation using existing footage, almost like you're trying to like yeah. do like a weird political smear video or something. Like, exactly, yeah, it's taking that, things out of context and yeah, trying it's, to it's, stitch a conversation out. They're of doing them. dialogue surgery, yeah. <laughs> basically. It's uh, nuts. It, it it's so work. weird. It does not like, work does not work doesn't work but like i we, so look at the squad we have here so mm-hmm. they started off good here because they're talking about a suicide squad of like these capable warriors that you're going to turn against your enemy or whatever the hell's going on here so first person dead shot that was that was a great idea he can do impossible ricochet bounces like he's a bullseye from daredevil and murder mm-hmm. people instantly that's great okay it makes perfect sense why he's here harley quinn has a bat i guess she has a bat she likes There's a bat and a bat. gun, which she never uses. Yeah, she has no reason to be there. Uh, Killer Croc, okay. Super powerful, super monster. You put a bomb in his head, he, you can probably get him to do some stuff for you. Mm-hmm. Captain Boomerang has a boomerang. With which, a camera attached. And he the has game, a battering. And the game, over the, over the course of the film, they make no effort to like establish that he's super dangerous or... Resourceful. He drinks beer and he has a stuffed animal. He doesn't have like cool gadgets really, besides the fact that sometimes his boomerang can be kind of a camera, I guess. He doesn't. He has a fetish for purple 
pink unicorns and he keeps a stuffed one <laughs> in his coat and it has it I, I felt like they were trying to build up a joke i don't like, know I, I assumed i assumed what was going to happen is that he was going to get shot and then like the the stuffed animal will absorb the bullet somehow and he would have been like oh crikey but that never well, no, happened no it's they made they kind of made that joke fucking it was money yeah it was money instead of a stuffed animal which but was the, uh, it's still dumb. Even dumber. <laughs> Somehow they managed to... They put all the elements of the joke in and then farted out the punchline incorrectly. Oh, yeah. I don't understand how that happened. Cap, don't Cap, understand Cap how that happened. Fe wheels feels weirdly like a character where every scene he was in was deleted. Because he yeah. just doesn't do anything in the film. And, like, he never does Not things. in scene 90% of the time. He's mostly not on camera. He kind of mm -hmm. comes in to say, like, a one-liner that's never funny. And like he's like at the very mm -hmm. least, I thought maybe he'd be the one like you know maybe he'll be your rocket raccoon in this film. He'd just have like mm -hmm. these really biting things yeah. to say to everybody all the time, and he'd be kind of likable for that reason. Because when Rocket doesn't have like a super gun or something, yeah. he's kind of just an awkward raccoon that doesn't mm -hmm. get that much done in certain scenes. But yep. like he squanders that because like he wants to taunt El Diablo, like oh you got firepowers, and what does he do? He yeah. pulls out a lighter and. He doesn't have like a biting Waves comments or face. anything clever. He just yeah. goes, Ooh. That that played well in my audience, though. Everyone liked that. They I really? thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. The only time my audience ever laughed was when uh, it was basically every time that Killer Croc said something that made him seem black. Yeah, and it was then like people would laugh at that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Which, like, I guess it's un I guess it's Jesus. unexpected because he's a big giant guy that never talks. So when he ever has so when he says something funny, I guess it works on people. But other than that, nothing. Yeah. Like that, mean... that fire scene was just dead silent in my very full theater. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> wow. like, weren't you? I was sitting there thinking, like, aren't you supposed to have like a joke for that or something? Because it's like Dude, the only this reason movie this was relentless exists. in its zingers, though. Like every single person yeah. had something quippy they had to say. Did were they landing though? Like ever? Did you find them landing? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I would say they had like a thirty percent hit rate. Oh no! Like Harley oh, Quinn's no. like like oh we're bad guys. It's what we do. Like that one. That one was universally just like uh the joke from the trailer. <laughs> Yeah, like the the trailer joke was just like not good. Yeah, they're walking down the street and she's like, she breaks a window she steals, to steal a purse and then it's like, what? We're bad guys. Nick yeah, Nick Flag's like, what? Why? Why'd you do that, there, sugar? Or whatever the hell he sounded like in ninety percent of that movie. I wonder if you even <laughs> see that purse after that scene. Because suppose, no, supposedly this film refilmed a bunch of scenes to try to make it funnier because of Deadpool. I wouldn't be surprised if they added that scene in afterwards, and that's why it just kind of Probably. happens and never gets acknowledged. And she like, there's no payoff for her stealing the purse as like a joke later or anything. Like she beats somebody with it or something. Mm. And yeah, it's just I wouldn't be surprised if that was just yet another victim of like the horrible hack job that was the editing of this movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely was. Absolutely. Uh, but that's it's... just what a really bad taste in my mouth. Let's. Let's talk about the villain of this film. Uh, so really, you want to crack that open? Yeah, well, because it's 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 part of the introduction of the film. Still, like in Act One, is, is how it happens. So, mm -hmm. superhero films are already infamous if they're not one of like if they're not the Dark Knight. Basically, they're infamous for having terrible villains. Like, mm -hmm. across the board, especially Marvel. They're just very flat. Like, every Marvel film is like, look yeah. at all these accolades and, and compliments we have for all these things in these films. But the villain is basically 
someone who's maybe blue and they want and they want a gem that does powers and it's like go it's basically just an excuse to have the MacGuffin that you chase after with your fun characters and then you beat the bad guy at the end and that's it but they this uh, movie is particularly egregious with how bad its villain is though yeah because they basically set up the villain in the first couple minutes in a series of very stupid scenes and then you just never see the villain until the end of the film more or less where they just yeah. get taken down. She basically is a summoner, and she's, like, summoning mm-hmm. uh, a weapon that'll destroy the world. And she's like, okay, that'll take about uh, an hour and a half, so I'll see you guys uh, I'll see you guys yep. in the final scenes of the movie. And that's basically it. And so what's, that's literally it. What's really baffling here is that I think they were writing the script for this, and they realized mm-hmm. midway through a problem, because... The summoner, the the enchantress, like she can just conjure her super power and just make it happen. So yeah. I think they realized when they were making the movie, like, oh, we're gonna put a suicide squad together to take down the enchantress, and then they probably realized, oh wait, oh wait, she could just kill them instantly. Or no, like, so just, we need just to that we need would... to make her busy. Well, I think they realized that it would take way too long to make the suicide squad. So like, yeah. crap, we need to introduce the enchantress after Suicide Squad already exists for no reason. Mm-hmm. We need to make the Suicide Squad exist already so they can actually take down the Enchantress, even though <laughs> logically you would, that's the kind of threat you would make the Suicide Squad for in the first place when it was basically an unprecedented problem in the first place. Yeah. Like, the idea so was that... They, they, they put the carpet horse before the horse. They introduced yeah. the squad, then they introduced the problem, like you're which makes to, no goddamn sense. You're supposed to have your Avengers scene where somebody takes Loki's spear and mind controls Hawkeye and like all these, like, oh, we have a threat now. We better bring the, the Avengers together to take it down, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because you need to have like a problem first to explain why you're creating your really risky, really dangerous, really expensive secret covert ops crew <laughs> that uh-huh. literally people can get killed for knowing about. Like, yep. you need a reason to make that crew. Which happens on screen. Yes, which happens on screen. The the person who makes the squad literally executes FBI agents for knowing that she, she kills, exists. She kills, like, six programmers for being <laughs> in the same room as her when they shouldn't have been. It's so... Which she says... Which she says, she was like, they didn't have the authorization to be in here with me. And it's like, then why did you let them in? You're like the fucking, it's, like, it's a nightmare. queen of this. Ah. It's a nightmare. But we need to talk about the Enchantress themselves, because, first of all, yeah. visually, one of the coolest villains I've ever seen, which, of course, they squander by immediately making her not look like that anymore. Yeah. Because she looks like this. If you look up the Enchantress for Super Suicide Squad right now on Google, like, you get the cool-looking Enchantress. That looks yep. like a really cool villain. But instead, because she's a split personality between a like this archaeologist that discovered her originally, for the rest of the film, she looks like the childlike em- the childlike Empress from Neverending Story. Where she's got like the sad baby face and flowing locks and like like the I mean like flowing like robes everywhere and like she looks like this not even remotely like the thing it, that the villain is for some reason, and they think that's the mm-hmm. cool villain for the film is to just this like character that looks like she might as well be played by natalie portman <laughs> like yeah it's it's i don't it doesn't make sense to go from one yeah, to the other like i i i thought it was weird how the enchantress got prettier yeah for like no reason like she starts out like this weird like aztec looking well it's person, not for, it's and it's not like for, really spooky like she got prettier because she when they ripped her heart out or whatever or whatever happened that fixes her she yeah. just starts looking like the person she possessed. She just looks like Cara Devonier. Like that's yeah. it. And like you can like 
from a logic perspective, you can kind of see why maybe you could make up some voodoo reason with nonsense of why that might be what happened, because whatever fantasy storytelling, but why mm-hmm. would you make that decision for your film when the Enchantress looked like a villain before and stops looking like a villain the moment she looks like the childlike empress from freaking NeverEnding Story? Right. <laughs> like, I don't she know. Looked... But, but let's talk about how she breaks free, because... First of all, she's uh-huh. a she's a super powerful, crazy god character who can instantly teleport around the world like it's no big deal. And mm-hmm. your plan is that you're going to keep her heart in a box? Like, I guess it has, like... the box locks when she gets close to it. Yeah, but even that's, like, barely Dumb. explainable. <laughs> First of all, she comes into the room, and then you see the box lock afterwards. But you've seen how uh-huh. fast she's, like... She teleports across the entire world, grabs secret documents, and teleports back in, like, one second. So yeah. the delay on that box opening doesn't make sense, because, of course, mm-hmm. she could still get into it. But, like, I interpret it as maybe, like, she maybe the uh, the lady has to touch the, the fingerprint every X number of hours to stop her from it from just, like, maybe killing the uh, her heart on its own. Like, maybe the box is programmed to do that. I don't think the game ever, it ever explains that, but I just inserted that in on my own because it made more sense that maybe the box will auto kill it because it's like one of those things that's like that's what i assumed is that she had yeah. dead man switches set up for everything but it, it never says but that does it no it doesn't we we both inferred that because every movie ever it is like more sense that way yeah you can't kill me because all these files will leak out that destroy your corporation and stuff like that like that kind yeah. of thing i gotta make this call every 12 hours that right kind of, so we both make that assumption but the film i don't think ever says it Instead, it's nope. just a box that locks, I guess, because they never yep. told us that it was going to do that. So, yep. but then this whole time, we find out that she has a brother who's also an, en- the en- we'll call him the Enchanter. He's, I think he had a, <laughs> yeah, like, I guess so. <laughs> he was Incubus, right? He was called Incubus. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, it stood out to me because it's a band name, but I think he was literally <laughs> called the, the Incubus. He's basically her, again, with, like, superpowers and the ability to move around. I think he is... But he's like, got a deeper voice. Yeah, and I think instead of teleporting, he can, like, mold bodies together to become more powerful or something. But where is the Incubus hidden all this time? Uh, apparently, uh, the black lady that runs this entire operation just knew about the Incubus the whole time because it was just a statue. And apparently yeah, it's I guess just it a is statue. called the Incubus. Yep. It, it looked like it was in, in her bathroom, in her apartment. Basically. Yeah, I did. She, I thought it was in her bathroom too. Yeah. What? Oh man, I totally like, forgot about that. Like, yeah. Like so maybe, like she just goes into her bathroom and pulls out a statue. Like maybe <laughs> maybe because the enchantress teleports, they failed to exp- to properly express the where she was going yeah. when she went there. But well, it looked like she literally went to the next room in her bathroom of her apartment or even hotel yeah. room wherever she was. Just picks well, up mentally, this this important statue and just mm. takes it and ruins and causes the entire film to happen. Yeah, like mentally, okay, you see this person laying in a bed, uh, they travel a lot, you assume they're in a hotel room. Hotels, yeah. how many rooms do they have? They have two. One is a bedroom, one's a bathroom. She goes from the bedroom into another room. We're all thinking, she just went to the pooper. And yeah. she pulled out a statue containing her, like, 10 billion year old brother. Which, by the way, why would you keep those two items next to each other? Yeah. Why would you keep the heart and the incubus in the same Or on that area? note, why is the heart in a thing that's super designed to not let her get to it, but, but the, the statue of the brother is, is just sitting there? Yeah. Why doesn't it have, like, a giant magneto fortress around it, specifically designed to keep it not from getting away? Like how Magneto always has, like, a plastic fortress that's meant to imprison him and stuff? Like, there should be, mm. there should be precautions here. And the... Nope. And, 
and the 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 reason this exists really because the incubus is a stupid character that has no reason to be in the film and doesn't really matter by and large besides closing mm-hmm. off the arc of el diablo later uh ultimately the only reason incubus exists is just to get around the heart problem but they could have just not right. had the heart problem in the first place all right. you need to do to make this film more elegant and less stupid is just have some person, say an archaeologist that's de- going out for power, accidentally accidentally goes out and finds this relic, gets possessed by the Enchantress. Oh no, a super god's going around, we gotta assemble a team to take her down. That's all you need. Yeah, why did they do anything about trying to get her to betray the Suicide Squad? Yeah, this, this, this entire part of the film where she's under any control from the government, and they have the magical heart that holds her and everything, literally serves no purpose for the film, because she never does the, anything for the, the government purpose. over the course of the film. The purpose is to give uh, Colonel Rick Flag uh, like a love interest, but right? For why? And even why do then, we care? even then, he could just know the archaeologist already. Yeah, this whole part with the heart in the box—that's poorly explained and poorly handled for the entire film—and thrown away five minutes after it's introduced could have just not been there. Yeah. And you would have made the film simpler, which would have made it easier to watch, so you wouldn't have to have a different scene made it cut shorter. every twenty seconds. <laughs> Yeah. You, it would not. It doesn't even have to be shorter. You'd have more time to actually flesh out characters that matter, since you clearly don't care about this one anyway. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. she goes off camera immediately, and we never see her to the climax, aside from a couple cutaways of like she's possessing people, and it's just like maintenance, like just reminding you she exists, mm-hmm. which is always a bad sign for your villain when you just have scenes dedicated to reminding you that they're in the film. <laughs> right. Yep. Which yeah. uh, could be said about all of the Killer Croc and Boomerang scenes, by oh, the way. Yes. By the way. Yes. Jesus Christ. Or the katana scenes. And every killer, clo- every killer croc and boomerang scene specifically feels like it was edited in afterwards to say a one-liner that might be funny to some people because the yeah. film was too serious before. And then yeah. you have no more character after that. And killer croc himself, like we talk about uh, boomerang not doing anything, which is true, but killer croc is basically just a walking Chekhov's gun because yeah. he's introduced at the beginning of the film. He's like, I'm a crocodile, swim. I swim. That's his whole yeah. thing. Basically, yep. he then proceeds to not be on camera for the rest of the game, uh, rest of the film. Movie. And then at the end of the film, he swims to do a thing. It's like, wow, good yeah, setup and payoff. Yeah, he swims through some sewers. That was worth keeping around for the whole film. And like, yeah. while, he's there, while he's around, like, all you need, all you need to sell his existence in the movie, which is easy, because he's a super powerful punchy man. Just, just have, have him punch one thing. Yeah, just have a Hulk scene. Any scene yeah. where it's like, wow, what a spectacle feat of strength in this superhero film starring a supervillain that's a croc man. You just have to have <laughs> him do, like, two things in the film of, like, oh, yeah, remember, that's why he's here. Because he does the super cool thing where he can pick up a fucking car or something. Or, like, yep. take pick up a, like, they fight, maybe they fight a golem version of those possessed putty monsters we'll see later. And rip them mm-hmm. apart, like, literally, like, like, you're ripping apart a geode or something with his bare hands. You Anything. want to know why they didn't do that? Because they gave all that to the, uh, El Diablo instead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's all they did. They gave it to him. They had two characters basically fighting for the exact same moments of spectacle. And, like, El Diablo... Okay, so, like, the movie ends uh, with him, like, basically transforming into, like, an Aztec god himself that, like, yeah. wrestles with Incubus. And he's like, he's like uh, you know, this is after a whole bunch of development or whatever. He's like, I don't want to uh, be like a villain anymore. I don't want to feed into my powers. Because he's the Let only me character. Just feed in my powers over the course of this movie, and then it ends with me becoming Satan. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Well, he's the only anyway. character arc of the entire film because he's introduced as this character that regrets that he 
he has accidentally an killed his conflict. entire family, basically. Yep. And then he's like, so I'll he... never use my powers again because of what happened last time. And they transition slowly to, <laughs> I'll use my powers for good. And then he mm. dies using his powers for good, basically. So it's like, it's kind basically. of an arc in a movie that's otherwise completely bereft of them. So at least there's something yeah. there. But he mostly amounts to being a guy who stands around in the background for the whole film until the one scene where he uses fire. Yep. And then those are like the spectacles. And like, I gotta, and... I gotta like nail this home too, because like, you're gonna hear me say Gardens of the Galaxy all the time throughout this thing yeah. because it's such a comparable movie of like, Let's make a movie where we introduce, like, six brand new characters you've never seen before, and all of them have the to fight toys. for screen time to do a mission. And the toys. in Guardians of the Galaxy, guess what? Every character has, like, actual scenes and moments to shine and character development and a cool action scene to justify why they're on the team in the first place. And all that stuff happens, which is why it doesn't make sense that this movie can't do any of those things at all. But yeah, let's start with the city finally, because we've now that we've done the villain, yeah. we can get past the intro scene, <laughs> which was largely the entire intro was just like previously on Suicide Squad, the and film it takes that never so happened. long. So like, we're Act One is done in like basically an hour into this like two and a half hour movie. Like Act that's about the time when the movie actually starts and they've introduced everybody. Exactly. Like, not only is Act 1 done, but you may have noticed that nothing's happened so far. Yeah. We literally just have so, characters. We have a roster. And most of them are so, barely characters. Yeah. So, yeah, the trope has been done where it's like, they they basically have, like, bomb callers, where it's like, if you disobey me, your head explodes. You know, the thing that has oh, yeah. been popular in science fiction for, like, 70 years. Uh, and so... They, they're like, oh, we have to go into the city and rescue a person. Which and this already is where the movie gets Here's terrible. a warning sign already. Just them getting here in the first place. Immediately after this if long sequence of introducing missile. way too many characters, they then have two characters walk on screen who have never been introduced. Yeah. And like, why did we even do this then? Because like, we have this guy who I had to look up online to find out his name's Slipknot, apparently. And he's the mm -hmm. sixth member of Suicide Squad. Which, oh, the guy who can climb up walls and he gets killed? Yeah, and by the way, by the way, as far as I can tell, Enchantress was supposed to be part of Suicide Squad, right? That's the only reason she's right. already around. Before yep. Enchantress ever betrays them, in the scene, like, they have a lineup of all the faces of the Suicide Squad. She's not one of them, but Slipknot is. No. We've never seen Slipknot, so I'm like, why is Steven Seagal in the background, and why is not Enchantress <laughs> in there? But uh -huh. yeah, Slipknot is this villain, apparently. But also, okay. Katana shows up, because so, apparently there's a member, they also have, like, a metahuman character. They need her to be, like, uh, the cop, basically, Yeah, she's, I like, guess. the guard dog that is not a member of Suicide Squad, but is, like, function, functions like them, but, of course, is on, actually legitimately on the government's team, basically. Yeah. But she mm -hmm. just shows up. Yeah. And it's like, literally, what? You just had these two people walk onto the set, like... What the fuck's going on? And so, like, immediately you're watching this and you're like, okay, Slipknot has... He looks like the most boring character in the history of movies. Because he's and just he a is. guy from a SWAT team, basically. And yeah. so, you're like, you're immediately like, oh, this is a movie where people's heads explode if they disobey. Guess what he's gonna do? And then two seconds later, guess what he did? His head exploded because he tried to run away. Yep. Holy shit, Because they had to establish the danger element. Yeah, the... You know, we we as the audience were too stupid to believe, yeah. like, oh, they're actually in danger. No, they have to show somebody on screen for about six minutes just to get exploded. Oh, yeah. 
and it's like just to establish this and it's it's so lazily done because it's like it's this it's this thing where like he it's on one on one hand it's kind of show don't tell like okay cool they showed Mm -hmm. the thing where heads explode at least we have seen that happen but at the same time like you he's not a character to care about like Mm -hmm. if you want to have this have any impact of any kind you actually give us a history of slipknot and then it's like a random character gets killed out of this crew of characters you already know about. Like, oh shit. Like, you have like your, yeah. what, like Alien. I want to say it's Alien 3 or something as a movie where mm-hmm. like this one character gives Ripley this long conversation monologue about like hope or whatever the hell and redemption yeah. while sitting in this one creepy lab and everything and immediately gets murdered by a xenomorph. And you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I like, like that guy. <laughs> the movie is like so weird with like how like I was hoping. I was praying that the movie would end with the entire Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad dying. That would have been <laughs> awesome. That would have been great if they actually did die, because then it would be an ironic name. But instead, and I would they have had didn't so die. much more respect. Instead, Steven Seagal died. But you know who died. did die? So many goddamn mooks. So many. Everyone who's so many not of these, a member like, of the Suicide Squad in this film basically villains. dies. Yeah, so, just tons of like faceless villains are just uh, like. And They're just like, oh, we're, we're the baddies. Uh, we're gonna, we're, we're, we're running. We're gonna get you. And but, then they, like, just die. And it does this for, like, 40 minutes. Just them just, like, walking into a room, killing seven, like, putties. And then walking into another room and killing four putties. Walk up <laughs> an ele- a staircase and they kill 16 putties. Why? Oh, man. There was nothing... And I will say, okay, here's a weird experience that I had while watching this movie. And I have never, ever had an experience like this. Um, But, like, in this movie, a lot of cops die. A lot of cops and security guards die. And I have never really been in a situation where I've seen uh, people die on screen. And I actually felt like, like shocked by it like uh like uh, offended in the sense of like people who are like wow media is too violent or whatever i actually had that moment because i was like they're just literally like with with everything that's happened to like police in the past like year and it's just like it was so stunning to see like police officers like walk into a room and just get like murdered (laughs) and i was like this is like actually a Offensive? You get like and a, I don't know how to feel about this. You get one like, of the most like weirdly brutal scenes, thing. huh? You get, you get one of the most weirdly brutal scenes from the villain in particular, where he uh, yeah. he collapses in a subway station to pretend to have a seizure, so people give him, will gather around him and do try to do CPR and stuff, and then tentacles and he, shoot out, and he does like the thing from the thing where they incorporate them into their body and shit, and yeah. fuse together like the dogs in the pen, which is a kind of cool villain thing, by the way. That is yeah. completely never used again, and mm-hmm. also mostly off camera because this game, this because like every other part of this film, they're terrified to have it actually be about villains or yeah. or dark in any real capacity. So even when something mm-hmm. creepy happens, it's off camera. But mm-hmm. like that, like that was weirdly the most brutal thing in the entire film. And it because he kills a doctor who is yeah. trying to like help him, and it's in a, in a horrible like body horror kind of way too. Yeah. But then that's just a villain with random faceless people you've never seen before and never will hear about again. Where yeah. the whole film is about villains who are supposed to be ruthless and they never do anything ruthless. And the whole movie they fight mm-hmm. character they fight putty monsters from Power Rangers exactly like that's just yep. they're fighting 
claymen. Like they're just yeah, they are. It, it's it's non. Like they shoot him and then they go like into like putty. It's it's like that issue with like the uh, what is it like 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 how whenever you want to have like a good guy and you want to keep him a good guy, they take down the bad uh-huh. guy, but then the bad guy dies from like their own hubris because the hum- the good guy can never actually kill the bad guys in films, even though that's mm-hmm. like the only way to get them to stop in these in most situations. So the bad guy will just jump off a cliff or something. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. It was like a similar thing of like they gave they have a film starring genuine bad guys and still won't let them ever be bad guys at all. This might as yep. well just be a slightly roguish group of superheroes that have like slightly yep. like Han Solo they were just personalities. Puckish. That's yeah, all they—they they weren't villains. They were just like—they're just kind of rude. Yeah, like they're Han Solos. That's it. Yeah, that not, was, that's exactly like, what it was. It's like, like it is like it's the rock. It's it's like if everyone was Rocket Raccoon, the entire yep. cast of characters is trying to do one-liners and be like the outlier, like rough character. But not actually bad because they're a thief with mm-hmm. a heart of gold. But that has to be every thief all of a sudden, and to, to the point where yeah. they even do like the honor among like a drink amongst thieves at the end of the film to just be like mm-hmm. all on the nose about this shit. Yeah. And like, if they're not villains, then what's the point of the premise? Exactly. Like, so let's let's wrap up the act two because there's really not much to talk about. They walk through a city. They kill putties, uh, the, the, and like it's literally okay. When I say they walk through the city, I'm doing that a little bit of justice. It's like they teleport from one location to another location to another location. Oh, yeah. Oftentimes within the same building. Like, they're in the lobby, and then, like, Harley Quinn teleports into an elevator. And then everyone... And then she takes the elevator to the top. I was and then so everyone mad. teleports up to the top of the elevator a little while later. I was legitimately mad about that. Mm-hmm. Harley Quinn takes an elevator up a mall one of the like hardest to like actually move around without an ele- without an elevator type of buildings that exist in the world basically to the uh-huh. top floor and no one sees no Meets one expects her to there. do it and everyone's already waiting for her at the top and i'm like what like maybe yeah. like one character could get up there because they have like like i mean if slipknot was alive he could get up there yeah, slip- <laughs> i know but, like, but how- everybody else is like instantly up at the top and she's like what's the matter <laughs> And it's just like, oh, why the fuck? And then, okay, from like, that, like how did, how you did, know what happens how did after that? Up there? How did oh. regular-ass soldier man get up there? <laughs> so they, they go to the top floor of this mall, and then this is literally what happens. They walk uh, through some hallways. El Diablo messes up the path they were going to take, so they have to take a side route, which takes them to some stairs from the top floor of the mall. Mm-hmm. They are at the bottom of a staircase and they take the stairs up and teleport to the top of the stairs so this is a mall <laughs> they start at the ground floor i'm trying to hammer this in take an elevator to the top take like 40 flights of stairs from the top of the fucking mall and now, they teleport every time now i'm trying to remember like did they do did they, did they pull that one brand of bullshit i i can't remember the specific jump cut now but I'm kind of curious if they did that one bullshit that they always do in these films where they start a conversation and then somehow the next line is on the, on the roof, but like they yeah. had to walk all the way up there. But no, no, so no they, did the... with, they did it with a flashback. Harley Quinn Flash... was having flashbacks. Oh, yeah. And then, Dead, and then she was like, scenes. did you have a fall in love? And Deadshot was like, nah. And she oh, yeah. was like, bullshit. And then they were at the top of the stairs. We might as well talk about that because that's, that fit, that's in every part of the film, so there's no place to specifically slip it in, which is uh-huh. that this film keeps having flashbacks 
and side scenes with Harley Quinn's past so that we can try to see more Joker in the film. And it's really just an excuse to get more Jared Leto. Yeah. yeah, like not only are they really pointless scenes because they have no impact on the actual events of most of the film, but also they just constantly re-cement how boring the Joker is in this film because he's just a guy who is kind of menacing and sits around a lot. And, like, he doesn't have the laugh, really. He kind of does a laugh mm-hmm. a little bit, but not even close to the laugh. But even if you're not doing that, because, like, the, the the real laugh kind of wasn't in Dark Knight, for example. Uh, uh-huh. You never sell him as, like, some sort of interesting character that was worth reinventing. Because, like, there's yeah. two Jokers, more or less. There's, the, there's like, the almost cartoonish trickster-type so- psychopath. Like, you uh-huh. get hints of like- him... In, like, the Golden like, Age stuff, but also in, like, the animated series where he's the just, like... The animated Batman 90s series, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna squirt you in the face of this flower or do laughing gas, and I'm gonna have such a joyous time doing these horrible deaths uh-huh. that are weirdly not violent-looking, but are ruining people. Yep. But also there's the one we've, we're more used to with some of the more recent comics, and also in Dark Knight, where he will straight-up skin a bitch. Yep. And, like, if you want to make that both? intro scene work, if you want to be the right Joker from the first scene... That guy doesn't get shot. He gets his face cut off. That's yeah. if you want to be the psychopath Joker and actually make it the Joker, you fucking cut his face off. You do something that's horrible because that's the other Joker mm-hmm. is actually something so far off the line of psychopath that he's really troubling. But instead, he's just a guy that wears yeah. paint. But like, that's it. <laughs> like, yeah, no, there's nothing yep. special about him. There's nothing special about that Joker. Uh, he doesn't even. He doesn't even look like anything, right? He just kind of looks like if they put a zombie in, like, a purple Michael Jackson suit. He's got, like, pale skin that could just be his actual skin color. Like, not even, like, like, not acid-drenched or painted, mm -hmm. but, like, he could literally just be pale. So he's just just a guy with shitty tattoos and green hair and, like, teeth caps that, like... We'll, we'll, we'll shoot a dude because he's a gang leader. But, like, that's it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's yep. his whole character. And, the, like, I can't believe they cast Jared Leto for this just in the first place because, right. like, despite being someone who likes to wear black face paint and scream about his emotions into a microphone and, and, his, and his band and shit, like, uh-huh. his best performances are, are stuff like Dallas Buyers Club where he's this kind of subdued character, like, and, like, he, he can, he's actually, like, a really good actor in a lot of films. And none uh-huh. of those have ever been like, wow, he'd sure be good in a superhero film with like a, a larger-than-life character. Because everything about every performance he's done that's been good has always been like this kind of subdued, realistic sort of portrayal of a character. Right. This did not go to his strengths whatsoever. So we got and a subdued like, Joker. <laughs> yeah, so we did. We got a subdued Joker who, like, uh, I don't even know what the hell to describe him as. Just like... Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's... Not anything. I mean, we even got a subdued Joker in a film where the Joker himself is barely in the film, which is the worst mm-hmm. time to have a subdued character at all, because if you want him to stand out or even work as a character, then they have to really put that character in in the two minutes they're in the film. But instead yeah, he's he has just... to bring it because he's only got, like, 40-second scenes all the time. Instead, he's a walk-on cameo, basically. Like, it, it feels yeah. like... It feels like when you're watching Thor 2. He's an excuse to, like, sell shit, because it's just like, look at the Joker driving a cool car. Yeah. You could drive that cool car if you went to, I don't know, FordMotors.com or whatever. It, it's like watching or Thor 2. like, the two. Joker's drinking Bacardi, because cool people drink Bacardi. 
it's really like that. To talk to your merchandising point, even there's even the point where like he has a whole bunch of unique screen presence in a music video. There's yeah. a music video for this movie that heavily features the Joker, and it's all actually made for the the, the music video. I where, did not hear about this. Yeah, the Joker it's, called, Suicide it's, called, Squad. it's called Purple Limo or Purple Lamborghini or something, as an obvious reference to his purple suit and stuff like that that you expect the Joker to and be wearing. And the purple Lamborghini that he... Skrillex and Rick Ross, purple <laughs> Lamborghini. Oh! <laughs> no! So, like, if you watch the music videos that are on the official soundtrack of this film, you get a whole bunch of scenes that are literally spliced straight from the film, but this music video is jam-packed with unique Joker footage made just for this music video. So, like, it's like they almost put more of him in that than they did in the actual film, where he mostly doesn't do anything, or, or matter, or have any personality. Like, the, the one scene where they had the moment to salvage this Joker character and make it work, was that the, the movie actually has an asylum scene. So it you're does. like, wow, this is perfect. And they just don't use it to make him no, even... No, they use it to talk about Harley, because they can't ever decide whether it's a movie about Harley or Joker whenever she's on. Yeah, but even, like, like all he does is, like, he instead of having, like, really creepy dialogue or, like, vocal performance or just anything going on he's just like i want to he's just like i need a gun and yeah. like a slightly squeaky voice or something yeah, he's like you need to get me a gun and then everyone's Theory. then all the prisoners are free and he's like let's get him boys basically like yeah. it's just like he's and then he's he tortures harley and that doesn't make any sense at all like that why was, that yeah. changes harley's personality i don't know that's comic book logic though that's a. Uh, that entire scene where where Harley Quinn becomes Harley Quinn instead Harley of Quinn, instead of like, like falling in the paint instead whatever. of being Miss Quinzel or whatever uh, her yeah. original name was uh, yeah that's something straight out of like the Gotham television show of like people go into an insane asylum something happens where they like electrocute them or whatever and then they're magically crazy people now like that, uh -huh. that that's 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 pretty I'm used to that from Gotham stuff and dark right. and black and like uh and i almost said dark knight uh just batman stuff in general like i'm used to that concept so i, I kind of accept it as a comic book thing but like mm -hmm. it's it's weird how like they take a moment to have that scene and like they already had like like they already did the stripper scene they did the car crash scene like they had harley scenes already but now they did that scene where it's the insane asylum and they don't really show like their budding like romance and their creepy relationship no. they're happening. A narrator just tells us that. Yeah. They're like, oh, she was falling for him, the narrator says. And they don't And then it's just so it. being like, Do you love me, Harley? Or not like Ms. Quinzel, do you love me? And then she's like, Yeah. And like that's it. This never comes anywhere close to like the audio logs from Arkham Asylum that try to sell the mm -hmm. Joker Harley back and forth that happen and stuff like that like it's just yeah. it's such a nothing they just tell you that it happened and if you're gonna have a scene where nothing is shown on screen but you're taking up time with it anyway and the narrator just is saying what's happening like oh she was falling for him without showing them falling for each other at all uh mm -hmm. then just tell us that and don't have the scene because yeah. like you didn't do any like showing us didn't show us anything you just told us yeah. the thing <laughs> It, it's it was apparently show and tell yeah <laughs> all right i do need to probably wrap this up pretty soon so there's, uh there's not too much more to talk about because a lot of the problems i've already discussed here but yeah. like 
just going forward with time, like there's the um we talked about how she just the the lady just kills all the other agents and stuff like that. Uh uh-huh. we go forward in time and we're getting to like the big climax. The villain is making their doomsday weapon and like that you have the scene where Deadshot who the Deadshot finds the file that explains what this whole mission was for, which is appara- which is that uh-huh. they're taking down uh, the Enchantress. Because apparently, and like, why'd you lie to me? Uh, yeah, it's like, how did nobody secret? fucking see the Enchantress doing her thing? Like, they Whatever. literally got to the point where they were fighting putty monsters that were clearly not human anymore, and they kept the mission a secret still up to that point. And I'm not sure if they ever said why. Like, why do you need to keep your mission a secret from people that are literally already on a Suicide Squad where they can't leave anyway? But uh-huh. they kept this mission a secret for some reason up until now. Because reasons. Uh, so the secret, the secret of the actual mission, which of course the audience knew the whole time, so there's no revelation here, uh, ha- comes out. And this is a big plot twist moment to the characters themselves, but not for us. So they have the most forced, like, we're about to do the final battle, so now let's have our lowest moment in Guardians of the Galaxy by having our emotional outburst in a bar. So like, well, we mm-hmm. need to get to a bar. So they're like, oh, I need a drink. And they literally walk into the bar they're standing in front of, conveniently. Uh-huh. And they all have drinks where they try to have their emotional re- their emotional scene where they develop El Diablo. Be like, basically just saying he killed his entire family because he's because yeah. he's just an idiot basically, and basically. Uh, and doesn't really go anywhere. And like the dialogue doesn't make sense for the most part. Like, like and Harley then... is weirdly confrontational with him about it. And yeah. somebody was like, "Why is it that every time you open your mouth, it's always got to be a sword fight?" And it's like, when has she argued with anyone this whole film, ever? She's had like a couple yeah. one-liners, but like that's literally like a, it's a, that's a line that's in a response to like a, a Harley we haven't seen in the film, basically. <laughs> but then but they're like then, but then Rick Flag comes in and it's like, <laughs> uh, I got I got letters from your daughter, Deadshot, and Deadshot's like, <laughs> you had these the whole time and you didn't give them to me. We're this... friends now. <laughs> it's like this four <laughs> like, sentimentality. That is literally it. I am not making anything. Oh up. yeah, I am. I, that's not the literal dialogue, of but that not. is exactly the spirit of it. It's not the real dialogue. It's the how it should have ended, like a shorts dialogue when it gets written yeah. and animated later. Uh, but like that's God, what happened. No, it's literally like like your daughter writes to you every day, Deadshot. I'm going to leave the bar now like and they go, literally went to like, the bar. Try to get my girlfriend. They went to the bar because they were lied and betrayed to betrayed, and then. The guy comes he, in and he reveals, reveals another, another way. Yeah, another yeah. deception. And then he's like, well, that two wrongs make a right. Now we're good buddies. Yeah, like Deadshot's like, you had these the whole time? We're going to oh. go and we're going to get your bitch back or something like that. And, and then he's just like, what? And so then the guy destroys the thing that let, lets him trigger people's collars. So now they all get to live and they can't. Yeah, they won't kinda. get blown up. And so then they all decide to stay, and they all do the yeah. mission for no reason, because none of these people know each other, they have no loyalties to each other, there's, no, there's been no bonding scenes, but now they're all going to die for each other for they some reason? They need a moment to, for everybody to walk and look cool as the Suicide Squad, which is in that next scene, is them walking while like music plays, it's like, do, 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 so, and they're just like, ah, uh, walk. No. Step. Step. And they, they go from that directly to the final boss fight for reasons. But I gotta uh-huh. do one quick aside, because I realize we skipped over it a little bit. Uh, uh-huh. there's, and it's, it's easy to skip over because of how pointless to the film it is. There's a subplot uh-huh. where the Joker's gonna break out Harley. 
Uh-huh. Like, I, we're going to magically disable your collar, and we're going to get you out of here, and I'm accidentally doing a voice that Jared Leto doesn't do in the film. But, uh, uh-huh. the, he comes, yeah. they, they disable her chip somehow, because they kidnap a doctor, and there's a whole, they spend so much time on this subplot that doesn't, that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, and he chips the doctor, and we never see the doctor in the movie ever again. Uh, he puts a bomb in another person, they, they see and the doc- then No, they see the doctor appears. later, because he's in the helicopter doing the computery stuff to fix, uh... Harley's collar uh, in real time, right there. It's it's like two seconds of cutting away, but like you wow, barely see him. I actually, totally missed that. Yeah, you, you huh. probably blinked. Uh, but <laughs> they come in a, they just come in on a roof on this helicopter, and they're firing on the entire Suicide Squad except for Harley. And Harley's collar is disabled, so she can just join them on the uh, helicopter. And here's where some really dumb shit happens, which is why I wanted to go back to this really quick here. Uh-huh. So what happens is. They they're escaping on the helicopter. Harley Quinn's doing some straight up like uh that that Vegas show. Bull What's it called? The Vegas stuff. like there was know. hanging from w- w- wires and shit. Cirque du Soleil. Uh, Cirque du Soleil. She's doing Cirque du Soleil moves on this film, which I mean that's that's Harley moment. That makes sense. That I'm I'm, I'm that's her circus moves. I'm like that's great. I'm happy, I'm happy those made it in a little bit. But they're like dead shot, kill him or kill her. You're a mercenary. Blah blah blah. And he's like. All right, I'm gonna aim at him. It's like, oops, I missed. Is like the whole act here because he's the guy that never misses. So obviously, you know that it's a joke. Like, not a joke, but like uh-huh. he's betraying the government here and pretending to miss when everyone knows he doesn't for miss for no reason. But like, they have no. He has. We saw him mercilessly kill someone in the first scene of the yeah. entire film, and that's. But his he has a special bond with Harley because Harley said, "Are you in love?" And he was like, yeah. "Nope." They had like, like one that's conversation. Like their, that's their entire like bond there. They had one conversation in the whole film, basically about a little thing, and so now he won't kill her because reasons. And here's where it gets yeah. even even worse from a character standpoint: is that he walks back after missing the shot on purpose, and Captain Boomerang, the other character whose entire introduction was shooting somebody in the back, literally both these characters shoot people in the backs in their opening scenes. He's like. Mm-hmm. He's like, you did good, mate, or something like that, for, like, sparing her. And then two yeah. seconds later, they're like, shoot her down! And they, they shoot her down. And, the, and Captain Boomerang and Head Deadshot, Deadshot are both like... Uh, I mean, D- 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 uh, Captain Boomerang says to Deadshot, you couldn't save her, mate. I'm like, why do you care? Why do you care, Captain Boomerang? Why do either of you care about Harley at all? Because you had even less conversation with her ever. Like, mm-hmm. you have no reason to care about her. And you establish yep. that you kill your own teammates on missions is your only setup your entire character had. But then yeah. it's even dumber, even uh-huh. dumber is that they shoot down this helicopter. She falls With onto a rooftop somehow, and nobody uh-huh. else gets out because I, I guess it shook at the last second, so the the Joker uh-huh. lost his footing and didn't jump off properly. Yeah, and then it crashes. Yeah, so we so you leave Harley Quinn on this rooftop. What does she do next? She, instead of being on the roof, over the rooftop, she teleports, teleports into the street in the rain on top of a car where she's posing when everyone comes down. The people who are just ordered to kill her, by the way, and yeah. the, literally the, 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 the group of people there are split between one person who tried to kill her and people who were ordered to kill her. And like so like everyone around there are people you don't want to be around, really. And mm-hmm. she's just rejoining them. Her collar's disabled now, so they can't kill her, and... She has no reason to go down there, and also, why would she go down into the street, go into the middle of the road, climb on top of a car, and pose there in the rain, and look sulkingly about her Joker friend being dead, so that she can wait for her captors and potential murderers to come back down, so that she be like, did you miss me? And it's like, that's... Yep. And then she just continues for the rest of the film with the rest of the crew for no reason, 
when she had no mm-hmm. reason to come back at all. And yeah. like that at this point, this specific scene and this entire sequence was when the entire movie was unredeem- uh, unredeemable to me because of how every yeah. line of dialogue, every action, every cut was the worst shit I've seen in a year. <laughs> None of this made any sense. It's all terrible writing and terrible special effects in the case of how fake Harley Quinn looks on her little on the rope and uh-huh. everything. And how and it and yeah. it and it sealed the deal like how pointless the entire Joker subplot was because he doesn't even break her out or join the crew or join the mission or anything. He literally mm-hmm. just comes in and then goes away and then has no impact on the plot. Almost as if like he wasn't supposed to be there because the location she's in after the scene doesn't even match with where he was where she was at the end of the scene that like had the Joker in it. And it's done. Yep. <laughs> but the movie's basically over that now. That really sums up a lot of the problems with Harley. And yeah. everything, doesn't it? Jesus. But it's Yeah, it's the scene that <laughs> makes you realize that Harley Quinn literally is only in this film to have the Joker in the film, but the Joker doesn't have a reason to be in the film themselves. So mm-hmm. it's just pointless scenes and illogical moments happening for no reason. Because they, it's like they, this, this, this film was written in six hours, basically. But Alright, so let's wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, talk not, about the final scene. There's not uh, much to say. People fought Incubus. They there was a slow motion shot where somebody throws a bomb and somebody shoots the bomb, and the whole time you're thinking like this is the, what the movie built up to. It was a slow motion shot of a bomb flying through the air. Yep. I feel nothing. I saw nothing. Uh, I wasn't satisfied in an intellectual level, emotional level, and like uh, and you're watching this artistic final fight. levels. Yeah, you're watching this final fight, waiting for reasons for whole the characters to exist. And, like, mm-hmm. you kind of get the most lazy explanation of, like, oh, they have the croc sewer scene. Okay, I guess that's why he's here. But Harley and, uh, both Harley, Harley to give and shot a gun. Harley and Boomerang don't do anything, basically, for the entire yeah, scene. Boomerang doesn't do shit. Boomerang's useless because he has a boomerang, so fuck him. Uh, mm-hmm. Harley has a bat, and they, jo- like, there's a Which... slight joke of, like, I hit her with the bat, and it was useless. And it's like, yeah, that's what I was thinking this whole movie. Why are you here? <laughs> uh-huh. And... Like, they force... The only thing that Harley Quinn does to justify her existence is that she uses Katana's sword to ultimately create defeat the bad guy. But mm-hmm. Katana could have done that. Why was Katana... Like, the, like the, 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 basically, the end result here is that the only characters that mattered for taking down the bad guy were just Diablo, Katana, mm-hmm. and Deadshot. Yeah. Like, you need Katana's sword to take out the bad guy. You need Katana as a character to keep the characters in line. So, mm-hmm. here's, here's my conclusion for this film, basically. Like, how they could have salvaged this entire project and with a premise that was going to work. It should have literally been called Deadshot. Not Suicide Squad. <laughs> the movie's just called Deadshot, and it's like a uh-huh. sort of like a uncomfortable partnership where Deadshot has a chip in his head where they'll blow him up if he doesn't cooperate, but they need him because he's so ridiculously mm-hmm. talented and dangerous. And mm-hmm. basically, uh, Katana is, her, is his supernatural chaperone character pushing him along to this whole mission. And it's a two-person movie. And it's this, yep. you have a lot of back and forth between these very different characters and them trying to get along because he's all aloof. And the other, like, it would basically be the dynamic of Men in Black. Like a buddy cop. Yeah, it's the, it's the Men in Black situation where one of them's super serious yep. and there for the mission. The other one's like the, yep. one of them's Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. like, that's, <laughs> that's a decent movie, right? And you that, that would be pointless better characters. than this movie. That would have been so hilariously better. I think, though, it is worth pointing out one good thing is that uh, Will Smith's acting was really good. Yeah, I mean, Will Smith, he makes a lot of money for reasons. (laughs) For actual reasons. 
you want to see if you if you want to be like I want to see Will Smith in a uh, like acting well, and I don't want to see for whatever reason a good movie, <laughs> then you should definitely check this movie out because that's exactly what you're gonna get. Because there's just such a uh, lack of Will Smith movies to watch. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, watch any so, other Will Smith movie where he's actually the main character and gets all the screen time. Yeah. Because in this one, so, he doesn't. Three, four, five out of ten, something like that. Yeah. Oh, Why does he have a mask? Yeah. I don't know. He has the Deadshot Deadpool. mask because it's Deadshot mask, but like, he puts like it on more twice. Deadpool. Like, yeah. his opening scene, he shoots a guy and puts it on and runs away. And then midway well, through the film... Well, they can't cover up Will Smith's face exactly. because that has too much star power. Exactly. They have a mask yeah. he carries around the entire film just so he can kind of confirm sometimes he looks like Deadpool, like, like he can look like Deadshot for a second. Deadpool? Yeah, yeah. Well, he looks like Deadpool too, but he puts he the does. mask on to look like Deadshot for a second, basically, and then just uh -huh. never wears it, but he keeps it on him. So you gotta wonder, like, yep. why does he have this on him all the time? And how did he get it? Because he, like, he was a prisoner and everything. <laughs> This this film's a mess. This film's a mess. Uh, we, we, gotta, we we scratched the surface. You we got to stop. We, it, yeah. An hour was uh, a, a, a completely not enough time to go over yeah. every stone like, that I needs to be unturned uh, on this movie. Like we're stopping, but I can, all I can think about is like I'm going to be thinking of so many things that I wanted to mention because of how much uh -huh. shit goes wrong here. Like one last thing, just to seal the deal for how stupid the script is. Did you uh -huh. know? I swear, this is the last thing we're going to talk about because I have to stop myself. Okay. Did you notice yeah. how the game, the show, they constantly re-explain things over and over again, and then they mm -hmm. show you something as like, "Oh, cool, show, don't tell," and then they tell you anyway. Yeah. Like over and over again, like Katana, like they establish, "Oh, don't get cut by her sword; it captures souls." I'm like, "Okay, you got to say that out loud because it's hard to show that." But then later on, she's like talking to her sword and is like, "Don't worry, I'll be with you soon," and stuff like that. And it's like the only line and of dialogue then, she has in the entire and film. Then... It immediately like, cuts Rick Flagg is like, her, her sword has the soul of her sword. husband in it. Yeah, yeah. They, they have to explain everything, every single time, over and over again. And it's like, it's so condescending at some point. Alright, so yeah, don't see Suicide Squad if you've watched this. If you've watched this and haven't seen Suicide Squad, please, just don't watch Suicide Squad. Don't watch Suicide Squad. Fuck. I saw it in 3D, it was muddy and ass. Don't watch Suicide Squad. Like, I... Like, I'm not yeah. hyperbolic, and I'm not a fanboy. Like, I don't care about Marvel or whatever, and, like, this is... Mm -hmm. There's no conspiracy to, against DC here that people, like, people tried to take out Rotten Tomatoes with a, a petition for some reason, even though the movie wasn't out yet because people didn't like the film, but, like, no, this movie's genuinely badly made on every level, except for mm -hmm. visuals, but that's not even a real... That's not even an excuse anymore, because, like, special effects and costumes are just good across the board now. Like, that's just the status quo. It's like saying an Xbox One game looks like an Xbox One game now, and as opposed to an Xbox 360 game. It's like, that's just what they look like now. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, that's... Don't. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Do yourself a favor. Uh, uh, punch yourself in the balls. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have balls to punch, find somebody that you care about, punch them in the balls. <laughs> And that'll be a better use of your time than seeing this movie. Yeah. So this has been two uh, nerds save the universe or save the world. <laughs> I, f I forget our name of our own you. show anymore. We're saving you all, not just the universe. We're saving <laughs> you specifically. Wander and, Wander and Shell will be back next time. We uh, yeah. 
kind specifically of chose to do it. We did the supplementary side episode without them because we knew that they were it was is going to be too much they to talk about, and they weren't yeah. going to have anything to say about it because they haven't seen it. And yeah, so I hope you enjoyed this weird side project. Maybe we'll do one in the future again. It just has Maybe. to come down to if we see Re-blended. something we want to talk about. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, see you guys Alrighty. next time. Take care.